Welcome to part three of our series, Money Talks. My name is Taylor, and I'm so glad that you joined us this morning. I just wanted to ask you the question, do you have a plan when it comes to your money? Do you have a plan when it comes to your money? And is that plan written down? And is that plan going to get you to where you want to go in your future? And if you're not sure, that's what we're going to talk about today, so I hope you stick around. First, I just want to welcome all of you in the room, those of you watching online. Uh, welcome to part three of our series, uh, Money Talks. And um, I, I've been uh, talking to a few of you uh, this week, and I've gotten some emails uh, this week and last week, um, some feedback on how you think this series is going. And I love feedback, by the way. Um, I love to get better, and so you can keep that feedback coming. This is not at all the dissuade feedback. But one of the things I realized is that, that like a couple of you think something or wonder something, there's probably another handful of you that are thinking and wondering the exact same thing. And so I just want to like clarify some points just like from the get-go. Um, the first one is I do not do series, generally speaking, or I'll tell you if I do, I do not do series generally uh, about money with the secret agenda of having you give a lot more or give for the first time to the church, Okay. Now, that being said, I realize that for some of you, your next step uh, in your walk with Jesus, or even just trying out the whole Jesus thing, could be to give to God via the church. And so I don't want to dissuade you in that. I just want to say and acknowledge that if you feel pressure um, today or tomorrow or at all through this series, like, oh, i got to start giving to the church, that is not my agenda, though I recognize it may be your next step. Okay? I hope that kind of tension um, is, is digestible for you. Uh, the second thing is, I'm not trying to hurt you, because I realize every time we talk about money, it's one of those topics up there with um, like love, sex, and dating, those kinds of things that can really push some buttons in people's lives, and I don't know all of your stories. My goal is not to hurt you. My hope is to kind of be like a good coach up here, and if you've ever had a good coach, you know that good coaches tend to like stretch you and challenge you and get you to go faster and ultimately to grow and anytime you grow, and we're going to talk about that in just a second, there is um, some discomfort associated with that. And so if you at any point through the series or today's message feel like a little uncomfortable about something, instead of just like maybe putting up your walls, because that's our tendency, you'd ask yourself something along the lines of, could this discomfort be a sign that I need to pay attention to a certain area in my life? Or could this discomfort potentially be an area in which I have some room to grow? Okay, that's all I'm asking of you, all right? So that's my disclaimer. Now begins the message. So, this, so far this series, I've always began the series asking you all this question. Every week we've asked this question. If your money could talk, what story would it tell? If your money could talk, what story would it tell? And some of you, if you sat and you thought about what that story would be, there's probably some of you that your money would tell you there were some things you should have done with it. There are some things you shouldn't have done with it. There's some money decisions that you should have known better. There are some decisions that you made that you'll be paying for for a long time. There were probably some decisions where you sat back and your friends sat back and your family sat back and said, you know what, in that money financial area of your life, that was kind of unfair. That you didn't deserve to have to pay that, to take on that burden, that was a little unfair. And for some of you, you would say, my money would tell a story of not having enough of it. And that has been a difficulty in your life. And some of you would say, well, we've almost had too much of it. We don't know what to do. And I think it's kind of driving us a little nuts. Wherever you are, whatever your story or your money would tell, I think there is one thing that all of us would say that ultimately is true for all of us, is that we will, we want to, and you want to, you want to write a great story with your money. 
that if your money could talk and your money could write a story, that that story, we would all hope, would be really good. And I acknowledge that things may not always work out, and there may be certainly challenges in all of our lives financially, but ultimately, we want, when it comes to our financial area of our life, we want amazing things. We want to go see amazing things. We hope that our money will help us to raise amazing kids. And for some of us, we hope that our money could serve as a vehicle to serve an amazing God for some of us. That's our hope. The challenge is, generally speaking, I think, is the how. Like, we want to write a great story, but we get stuck and we have difficulty figuring out how to do it. How do we do it? Like, and, and so my hope, and especially today, because we're going to get really, really practical today. I hope it's really practical today. Um, my hope is to help you with the how, really through this whole series, but especially today. Because I think most of us, if we look back at our childhood, most of us weren't taught how to write a great financial story. And it's understandable. If you have teenagers, you know it's exceptionally difficult to talk to your teenager about compounding interest, IRAs, 401ks, mutual fund, 401k matching, stocks, bonds, you know, the usual topics. Yes, uh-huh. Some of you adults are like, oh, what, what did he say? Uh-huh. Like, there are some things that you have to learn about money. And then there are certainly things in our lives that are tough, like financial stories and, and, and storms to, that throw us off, medical bills, job changes, relational, relational changes that really throw things off. And so to write a great story sometimes looks a little easier than it is to actually do. And so today, like I said, I want to get really practical and hopefully like really simple in challenging you and helping you um, to write a better story financially. Um, and then there's those of us that I realize are maybe consider themselves to be in kind of like a good place financially. And so my hope for you is that you would then take what you learned today or maybe were challenged by today to go and help other people write a better financial story. Because if you have an opportunity to speak into someone's life in the financial area of their life, that's a pretty profound thing because those are some of the few areas, like I mentioned at the start, that are difficult that people don't generally open up and let people uh, invite people into. And so if you have influence into someone's life in that way, you should be of help in, in, in so doing loving them through that. So, how do we write a great story? Um, we're actually going to let Jesus kind of tell us um, how to write a good story. Um, and to do that, we're going to look at a little passage um, in Luke chapter 14. So if you brought your Bibles along, you're a Bible person that reads and you brought it along, or, or you have it on, on your phone, an app maybe, um, you can follow along in, in Luke chapter 14. Uh, as well as my hope today is that you'll actually go home and read the whole context of this passage, because we don't have the time to break it all down. Um, but it really is a, a really big big passage um, in, in, in Jesus' story. Um, but anyways, in, in Luke chapter 14, um, Jesus kind of has a main point that he's trying to get at. And uh, that main point, uh, when we get there in this message, you're probably going to sit there and think to yourself, that was, that was very anticlimactic. That, that was kind of not shocking, Taylor. Um, and, and that's probably true um, because it's not that new, it's not that amazing, but that doesn't mean it's any less true. It's not that amazing, but it doesn't make it less true. And if you don't consider yourself a religious person, or especially a Christian person, um, this is a principle that is more like a life principle that you can't really deny or get around. You can't excuse it because it's taught by a, a religious um, person or taught by, as Christians believe, the Son of God. Um, but it is a life principle. This is what we're supposed 
to do, and I think you know that, and so we're going to talk about it. Now, for those of you who are Christian, so if you're not religious, that, that's your part. If you're Christian, though, um, this, is, this is an intense teaching, and if you go home later and you open up Luke chapter 14, you kind of get to the latter part of, of Luke chapter 14, there are some intense things that Jesus talks about. Spe- specifically, Jesus is talking about the cost, the cost of following Jesus. He talks about it as a cost. And we don't like costs. Most of us would not say, hey, I wish I had more costs in my life. Right? We would rather have things that are free. We would rather have things that are at least, at least discounted. 50% ballpark. 65%, 75%, we're feeling pretty good. But we don't want to pay full price. And so when someone comes at us and says there's a cost, we tend to take a step back, okay? We tend to take a step back. And so I hope that before you tend to step back, when you read Luke chapter 14 and when we get into this, that you would consider that Jesus's goal is not to hurt you, but to help you and find betterment, life change, and life transformation. And specifically to realize that generally when there is a cost associated with something that we're supposed to do, usually it's not always bad. In other words, that growth and improvement, especially if we're going to get better at something, they usually are not free. Like if you want better physical health, for example, um, you're going to have to pay something. Like you're going to have to pay for a gym membership. You're going to have to pay for healthier food. You're going to have to pay maybe for a different lifestyle. You're going to have to say no to things, which is a cost. You're going to have to maybe sacrifice some things, which is a cost. You may have to change your behavior, which you may feel like is a cost. And the same thing is true when it comes to following Jesus. That when you accept the love of God, or you accept the love of God into your life, or even into the, life, the area in your life of your finances— You become defined by that love, and that love demands that you change for the better. The love commands that you kind of have to pay a cost to be accepting of that love. I'll give you an illustration. When I met Stephanie, um, I thought she was the greatest thing in the world, um, and I brought her home to see my parents um, about less than seven days after I met her um, because I was in love. But that love cost me. For example, I had to take down the cardboard um, boxes that filled the windows in the room in which I lived because Stephanie liked the sun and I liked to sleep until noon. I had to pay that cost. I, I at the time, was wearing, like, white socks that were kind of, like, up to here or something. I know they're kind of coming back, but at the time they weren't. And um, I had to switch to, like, lower-cut socks that were different colors. And that was, that was a cost for me. And then I wore baggy jeans, and they weren't very cool-looking, and so I wore tighter jeans to show off my legs. And and that was a cost, and now I just feel comfortable and natural. Anyways, (laughs) so when you... (laughs) That got a little off topic. So when you fell in love with someone, you were enamored with something, you felt loved by that person, what did it cost you to love that person? You had to sacrifice something. You had to change something. And that's what Jesus is getting at in this passage, is that if you want to follow me, there is a cost. And it's a cost that because of love, you're actually fairly willing to pay. But if you let Jesus into your financial life, this is what he's getting at, and this is what we're going to talk about in this area specifically when it comes to following Jesus. If you want to be better with your money, 
there is a cost to improve. There is a cost to grow. So how do we go about dealing with that change, dealing with that challenge and writing a better story? Jesus illustrates it by giving us a little bit of analogy, a little story to illustrate what we're supposed to do. He says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. And we're just going to assume that the tower is the financial area of our life. That's the, that's the tower we're going to talk about. In other words, and, and, and mind you, he doesn't say a doghouse. He doesn't say, what if you want to go build a shed or a garage or even a house house? He says, what if you want to build a tower? What if you want to build something incredible? What if you want to build something that's life-changing? What if you want to build something where people look and they say, wow, that's, that's undeniably incredible. What if you want to build not just a shed, what if you want to build a tower? What if you want to build a tower? Now, men, let's be honest. What man doesn't want to have a tower? Fair? Like, what if you, hey, honey, I, I got to go to my tower. And you have a little drawbridge that comes down, and you, you pull your car right in, and that's your tower. Like, that would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Who doesn't want to build a tower? And that's what he's kind of getting at here. Who doesn't want to build a tower or something amazing with their financial story? Suppose you want to build a tower. Won't you first sit? Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost of said tower? See if you have enough money to complete it. Wouldn't you do that? In other words, Jesus' point is you have to have a plan. That's the main point. See, it's not very shocking, is it? You, want, you have to have a plan. If you want to build something great, if you want to write a great financial story, it is borderline impossible to do so outside of getting three golden crowns on a lottery ticket or having a plan. For example, some of you recognize this, this picture and this particular tower. This is the Freedom Tower in New York City. It was built um, where the Twin Towers stood and out of some of the same material of the Twin Towers. Do you think that this is possible without a plan? No. This took them seven years to build. Do you think over that seven years, all the parts could have came together correctly without a plan? No. So why is it then that we think if we have 75 years to live, that we're going to get to where we want to be without a plan? It doesn't compute, does it? Seven years to build this, we have 75 years of things and decisions we have to get right. How do we do that without a plan? It's really difficult. Yeah, but Taylor, Taylor, it is difficult to write a plan. And that's honestly some of the reasons that I haven't myself written a plan is because, Taylor, it's just difficult. But that is the cost of a good financial story. In fact, it will cost you. It will cost you more to not have a plan than it will to make one. It will cost you, over the long term, generally speaking, more not having a plan than it will to make a plan. Just as it is far less to pay a gym membership and to be in good physical health than it is to have a heart attack later in life. The gym membership will every time cost less than it costs you to have a heart attack. That's just the rule of life, and that's, I believe, how God created this to work, and that's why God, or Jesus, God's Son, is pushing this idea of if you want to follow me, especially if you want to follow me in your, the financial area of your life, you are going to have to have 
a plan. Because if you don't, for if you lay the foundation of your glorious tower, you begin this process, and you are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. And let's be honest, I mean, most of us probably don't even need a group of people in our life to ridicule us because internally, when we look at the status of our financial situation or just look at the fact that we don't have a plan, we're a little disappointed in ourselves as it is. We're a little disappointed that there have been decisions and situations that that have cost us significantly, and we kind of knew in the back of our heart and back of our mind that if we had had a plan and we'd started earlier with that plan, we would have been in a better place than we are now. And so we today have the opportunity to create a plan. Even if you're doing poorly and it hasn't gone well, and even if you're doing well and you don't feel like a plan is necessary, you have the opportunity today to start with a plan. And so for the rest of the time, I just want to suggest you a basic plan, a basic plan at least to start somewhere. Because my friends, it is so much easier to adjust a plan that you have in existence than to adjust a financial story that you don't have a plan for. It is very difficult to adjust the trajectory of your financial lifestyle if you do not have a plan than if you had a plan and all you have to do is make some minor tweaks here and there to adjust given what's happening in your life. And so to introduce you to this very simple, very basic plan, um, I have, a, uh, I have a, a couple boxes here, okay? And there's three boxes because there's three components to this plan. And the plan is pretty simple. Some of you might have heard of it before. It's the 10-10-80 plan. 10-10-80 plan, okay? And then um, each of these 10-10-80s is divided and going to be divided into this uh, piggy bank boxes that I got from Amazon because um, I was looking for something else and then I found these and I was like, wow, these are really cool and they're like, you know, they're like really nice quality and they have the, they're like magnetic and so anyways, you can buy it on Amazon. <laughs> little van of white for you. Okay, so the first 10 is this. This is, and this is where the, I don't know, Taylor. Okay, this is the first 10. Okay, ready for this? Give 10. There it is. Give 10. Okay. Give 10. In other words, you go, you take the total of your income every month, and you say the first 10% of my income I'm going to give. In this case, it says share because it's all S's, and let's just, we can go with share too. Okay. I'm going to give 10. Now, this is uh, roughly based on an Old Testament principle or the pre-Jesus principle of the tithe. Um, a tithe means a tenth. And in those days, in Jewish law, you had to give a tenth of everything that you meant and the first of everything you made, generally a crop, because they didn't have, like, uh, uh, money as, as like we did, and it wasn't as prevalent as it is now um, then, and so they'd give a first tenth of everything that they brought in. Um, and so then they would give that uh, away, okay? Now, I realize you're going back to, hey, Taylor, I thought you told me you weren't going to tell us to give to the church, and the pastor's now asking you for money. I want to be really clear here. I'm not asking you for money, because if you don't trust me, you don't trust the church, I don't want you to ever give us a dollar. That, that's totally okay, so I want to re remove that excuse, that reason not to give 10%. Uh, out of your vocabulary, out of your bucket of reasons not to give 10%. Give it somewhere. Give it somewhere. 
Why? Because generosity will change your heart and the hearts of those you give it to. Generosity will change your heart and will change the hearts of those you give it to. And scientific research is really clear. You can go home and Google it and read articles about it. Scientific research clearly says that if you give, you live a life of generosity, it will lead to a happier, happier life. Now, I just believe that's how God created it, and that's why God commands it, but you can decide that for yourself, okay? So you give 10%. This is, by the way, this is description, not prescription. In other words, I'm not telling you what you have to do and exactly how much you have to give, because I realize some of you make a lot more, and so 10% for you is like, ah, yeah, no big deal, and so maybe more would be more responsible, and some of you, 10% is a lot, and so you need to adjust that, but this is the point that you plan it out. You have a plan. And you're going to give 10% away first. First, you're going to give 10%. And that's really important, by the way, the first part. Um, in, if you're a Jesus follower, it's because God is first in our lives. We talked about that last week. But the, uh, if you're not a Jesus follower, um, I promise you that if you begin every month of your financial history, you begin every month, the first of every month, you give 10%, it will transform the rest of your financial month. I don't know why it works that way. I don't know how it works that way. But if you just begin by giving and supporting others, you will look then at every dollar you save or spend coming up, and you will look at it, and you will value it. You will see it differently. And it will change the financial trajectory of your life. Now, I realize part of us um, sit there when it comes to sharing or giving 10%, and we say, yeah, but Taylor is it really going to make a difference? What difference will my giving really make? Because my giving really would only be like, you know, $10 or $50 or $100 of every month, because that's what 10% may be for you. I want to consider this because most of us, for some reason, I don't know why this is, and I include myself in this, is for some reason we think we have to be like multi-millionaires to make a difference. And I don't know if that's because, like, big, there's huge donors out there that are giving millions and billions of their incomes away to solve world hunger and vaccines and all that good stuff, okay? Um, but that is not true. Because for some reason, we think that our impact will just be like a drop in the bucket. And so I just brought a bucket full of water here to illustrate this point. How do you get this water, or at least how did I get this water into this bucket? I turn the faucet to a drip, and I let it sit for 48 hours. I turn the faucet to a drip and let it sit for 48 hours. And what did I have at the end of 48 hours? A pretty full bucket. A pretty full bucket. Because how you sometimes go about filling a bucket is one drip at a, at a time. But you cannot do that. And this is so important. If you're in the room and you've kind of tuned out and you're in la-la land or you're online, you switch to a different browser, switch back to my browser for a second, okay? This requires what is known as a plan. I had to begin this process 48 hours in advance of coming here. And in retrospect, I honestly shouldn't have toted the bucket along with me in the truck this morning. I should have just filled it up. You wouldn't have known the difference. But I felt like I should be honest. And here's the bucket, okay? This is the drip bucket, okay? Yeah. 
all through the night, we, we have a well, and so we have a pump that pumps the water, and so throughout the night, the pump, because it's filling the bucket, just one drop at a time. Uh, anywho, um, so you have to have a plan if you want to fill a bucket, but you can fill it one drop at a time. And then when you begin to share it, it begins to change your heart and the hearts of others. It begins to have an impact in other people's lives. It begins to save marriages. It begins to influence eternities for people's direction in their life. And it's awesome. And it's just awesome. So yes, you can make a difference one drop at a time. The next area is to save, uh, save 10%. Okay? Save did I get the save on the front? Oh yeah, there's a little piggy. That says save too. Okay, anyways, because when you're building a tower, in any, in any money story, there's unexpected things, unplanned things, and if you save, you'll be ready for them. There's unplanned and unexpected things, and if you save, you'll be ready for them. And then maybe, just crazy idea, at the end of building the tower, the tower is built, your financial story has been built, you want to take a break. And you want to kind of sit back for the remaining years and rest. And if you plan for it, you can take that break. But you need to save to do so. And depending on where you are in your life, you may need to save more if you're later in life than you do when you're younger in life. Or honestly, it could be also the other way around sometimes, is that you should save just as much as you do when you're younger as if you're older. Regardless, the principle is the same. Sooner the better. The sooner you can start giving, the better. Um, yesterday, I was talking about this with, um, or two days ago, with my mother-in-law and Steph, and I realized this graph that I'm about to show you was actually really impactful in Stephanie's life, because um, she went through uh, Financial Peace University. Some of you may have heard of it. It's a kind of a Christian-influenced um, uh, financial planning class that you can go through, um, and there's this graph that's just so incredibly powerful. When The first time I saw it, I was like, wow, okay, I, I get this. Um, and if you are in uh, your teens or in your 20s, you have the opportunity especially to take advantage of this principle, and it is the power of what we call interest. It's the power of interest. And here's how this graph goes. You got two people. You got Ben over here, and you got Arthur. And Ben, from the ages of 19 through 26, invests $2,000 a year. $2,000 a year. And then he stops for the rest of his life, all the way to 65. And you got Arthur over here, and Arthur starts saving at about six, uh, 26, $2,000 a year, for the rest of his life until 65. And at 12% interest, which I think is kind of a little high, but the calculation they did is 12%. If you're earning 12% on your interest, we need to talk after service, okay? Because I need to talk to who you talk to. Um, but regardless, the principle is still the same. If you can get 5% five, 5 back on your money, you will still uh, take advantage of this process. Who has the most money at the end of this process? If we go to the next slide, it tells us. Ben. Ben has 2.2 million. Arthur has 1.5. Ben, who saved for eight years, has more than Arthur, who saved for 38 years. The same amount. That is the principle of interest. That is why saving is so interesting, is so valuable. <laughs> interest is so interesting. And that is why the drop in the bucket principle works. You have to invest sooner than later. And then the last category um, in your piggy bank, which you can buy for your kids or your husband, is the spend category. 
and you get to live on, essentially you live on the rest. You live on the 80%. So essentially you have now set your lifestyle up that the first 20% goes to savings and giving, and then you learn to live on the rest. And I don't think I have to give a lot of instruction to you. Most of us um, don't have a spending uh, or a lack of spending problem. I don't generally sit down with people and they say, hey, Taylor, I just, I save too much. I, I just, I need you to help me with my giving problem. I just, I just give and give and give, and I, I don't know what's going to happen to me, okay? This is where generally we do just fine at spending our money. The only thing I want to highlight with this is because you have prioritized first this first part and you've learned to live on the rest, you have what is called margin. In fact, this is such a critical word, we're going to all say it together. You can say it online with us out loud in the car. Margin, okay? And the powerful thing about margin is, think of it like in traffic terms. Like if you're ever on 380 during like high traffic volume between Cedar Rapids and Iowa City, it's, you know, it's bumper to bumper, right? And so many of us, when it comes to our spending, we run our car about a couple inches off the bumper of the car in front of us. Like if the car in front of us and their bumper is like bankruptcy and being broke, we run it up to that limit too often. And you know, if you've ever been in bumper-to-bumper traffic, how this works, if you want to stay on their tail and stay really, really close and make sure no other cars get in, okay, what happens? They go, and you got to jump on the gas really quick, and then, oh, you jumped on the brake, and then brake. And that's how we live our financial lives, is it's just this... Uh, fight between the gas pedal and the brake pedal and the gas pedal and the brake pedal and then the people in the car with us are getting like whiplash like what are we doing here and it's just really hard and it's frustrating the reason that that is is because you have no margin and when you create margin you have the opportunity to experience what's called peace Because now you have a gap, a margin between you and the car in front of you, you and financial ruin. And then as you drive along, if they stop abruptly, you have time to just gradually slow down. And then you have time to kind of give yourself a little bit more room. And this and this. And this is much easier on your neck and the necks of people whom you love who are in the car with you. Margin. But if you follow the 10-10-80 rule or something very similar, when it comes to this, you will be okay. And so here's what I want you to do. Here's your homework is to go home and write it down. Write down your total income. Take the calculator out and run up percentages. That's times 0.1 equals times 0.1 equals times 0.8 equals. The first two you actually don't have to do twice because they'll be the same number, but I think you're tracking me on that one, okay? I don't know why I did it twice, but okay, so actually it's even easier than that. You only have to do it twice, okay? You take those percentages, you write them down, and you start. It's that easy. And you just start. And here's the potential story that you and I have to tell at the end of this exercise. It's a pretty cool story. It goes like this. Number one, you get to change your life and the lives of others. You get to write a story where you change your life and the lives of others. That's pretty neat. Number two, you get to plan for the unexpected and retirement. You get to plan for the unexpected and maybe are able to put a little bit away for retirement. And three, you get to live with margin. So when things don't quite go your way or you get into a little bit of trouble, you have breathing room. And it feels really good. 
And I don't think I have to tell you that it feels really good. I think you intuitively know that if that is how you operate your financial situation, and again, this is, this is not prescription, this is description because you may need to adjust your percentages based on your life and what's happened and all those kinds of things, and I understand it's complicated, but if you begin to take at least the principle of the plan, things will, 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 will get better, and you will, will, will get to be able to write a story that you're proud of, your kids are proud of you for, and you get to impact a bunch of other people in the process. So I want to kind of end the message by just thanking Jesus to say that, hey, if we want to grow and get better in our financial life, there's a cost, but we can do it. Or if we want to grow and be a better follower of Jesus, okay, especially in the area of our finances, that it will take some work and it will cost us to have a plan but we have the potential to write an amazing story, and I think this is why God designed it in some senses the way he did, so that we could have an amazing story and we could impact the people whom we care about most as well as the people who need it the most. So that ends the message. Now I'm going to talk about one more thing, and that is give you an opportunity to begin with step one, the sharing step. Uh, and this entire month, if you've been here through this series so far, we do this thing every year for the last three of the four years we've existed called Be Rich. And it comes from uh, a verse in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 8. And it says to be rich in good deeds and generosity. To be rich in good deeds and generosity. Not to be rich financially or in a savings account, but to be be rich in good deeds and generosity. And so I want to give you an opportunity to engage in being and doing good things uh, and, and being generous. And the first way is out in the hallway, if you haven't already checked it out, is our giving tree. Um, and the giving tree uh, is pretty self-explanatory. Um, there is a tag. You grab the tag. You go out and shop for the gift that's on the tag. And then you return the gift by December 8th. And that gift gets to go to uh, families and students in the Clear Creek Amana School District. We work with the school to identify people um, and families and kids who need it most. And then it also goes to the uh, Iowa City um, and some of uh, the people there who are on the poverty line and some people there who um, are new to our country um, and are fleeing uh, heavy, heavy persecution. And so we can help um, invite them uh, into um, our community uh, through this tradition of gift giving that we have around this time. And so uh, if you want to participate in that, it's very simple. Grab a tag, shop, return by December 8th, and it goes to help families in need. The other thing we do is we raise $3,000. This is at least our goal for this, this month, is to re raise $3,000, and then we pay off the entire, uh, generally it pays off the entire uh, district, Clear Creek Amana School District lunch debt, so all the families out there who have a lunch debt, not because their parents just didn't pay because some of you, you need to go pay your student's lunch bill, um, but it goes to pay families lunch debt who are in need, and, um, and that's just really awesome. And then we help IC Compassion through their food bank and, and teaching classes and, and all the amazing things that they do in Iowa City. Uh, and then it also goes to help, um, especially with international disasters, um, through Nazarene Compassionate Ministries, it's called NCM, uh, Disaster Relief, uh, specifically with Hurricane Dorian, and I brought some images, because I don't know, you know, it's big news when it's happening, but then when the hurricane kind of passes over, we don't exactly follow it. So, so if you guys go to the next slide, um, you can see this was a forest, and it is no longer a forest, okay? 
perfect, yeah, bring down the lights, yeah. Um, these are homes, no longer homes, okay? The, this is the implications of what happened this summer with Hurricane Dorian, because um, it sat over the Bahamas for um, like 36 hours and just really leveled communities. And, um, and, and so they b- need um, shelter and support and counseling, and the uh, NCM's disaster relief arm uh, is helping with that. Um, it's not just something that goes away in a couple months after. That's something that is a continual problem. Uh, and so uh, by giving to Be Rich, you're going to go uh, and participate in helping um, through um, them uh, to help give counseling and, and necessary re- supplies and shelter to those who need it most. Um, and uh, just as kind of a rule of thumb, I don't know if you do this, but uh, whenever Steph and I give to a charity, um, I like to go on to a website. Uh, it's called uh, like uh, chari- some, something, Charity Checker or something. It, if you Google it, it'll be right there. And they do, uh, they look at the financial reports of nonprofits and all that stuff and then give them a rating. And uh, NCM uh, is a four out of four stars uh, for transparency and accountability and, and a good use of funds. And so we, that is our preference as well, is that we only give to charities who wisely use uh, the money that people give them. Um, and so I just invite you to give towards that. Uh, so far, we have a thousand of our three thousand um, dollars towards that. Um, and so that translates into we are three-fourths of the way through the process, and we are uh, one-third of the way to our goal. So we kind of have to close the gap over this Sunday and next Sunday to be able to give $3,000 away and make this possible. And so I invite you to consider giving 100% of everything you give, uh, especially if you give online, you think, oh, I'm going to get credit card fees, all that kind of stuff. We are paying the credit card fees, so 100% of everything you give will go to making a difference, okay? Uh, So you can give on the giving envelope in your program, or you can go onto our app or website and just select the Be Rich Fund, the Be Rich Fund, so we know that's where you want that money to go to. Also, parents, you're going to be getting this sheet um, when you check your kids in or check them out, and if you didn't, please grab one. It's down there. Um, Essentially, kids are invited to bring change from home, maybe that they've acquired, and drop it in the bucket, and then at the end of this in December, the kids are going to vote to where they want to give their combined money to to help make a difference and be rich and, and, and participate in this as well. So this is something you can do as a family, okay? So, 10, 10, 80, and invite you to be a part of Be Rich. If you would, bow your heads, pray with me, uh, and we'll sing a song and get you out of here. Heavenly Father, um, Lord, I thank you for um, the words of Jesus um, that we have an opportunity to maybe be um, convicted, to be challenged, um, to consider what a plan looks like in our financial life, in our lives, and how we could write a better story with those funds that we have. Lord, I ask uh, that you have these words set well on everyone's heart, accounting for their financial story, because obviously finance is a very difficult topic, but you would help all of us in this room this morning to navigate this with wisdom, with strength, and with love that you have given us. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Even if you watch online, we would love to have you be a part of our Be Rich campaign and loving on those who need it most. You can give to our Be Rich fund through our online giving. You just go to the top of the website uh, or on your app and select the Be Rich fund. And by the way, it's just a great way to start off your 10-10-80 plan with your income. It's never too late to start a plan no matter where you are in your life. It's better to have one than not and to prepare yourself for the future. We'll see you next Sunday.